0: This is Strange Assembly, episode 312, Galactic Magic. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. We'll be talking today about Galactic Magic, the supplement for the Starfinder role-playing game. Now, if you looked at the title, you might be forgiven for thinking that Galactic Magic is just a big compendium of spells. And don't get me wrong, it's got over 100 new spells spread across about 35 pages, but it's way more than that. Like any Paizo product, right? it's going to have the expected brand new options for every single class that already exists in the game, it's got a brand new character class, but it also has some unexpected bonuses, like a lot of additional information on faith and deities in Starfinder. New Starfinder supplements are always welcome uh, and enjoyable, but I ended up liking Galactic Magic a lot more than I had expected to. So let's start with the new class, the Precog, because when a new class drops, right, it's always the first thing that players are looking at. Note that notwithstanding the name Precog, the class is much more than just a precognitive. It Dips generally into tropes about chronomancers with ability to affect the flow of time, time traveling, messing with the multiverse, thematically at least. Precogs have decent hit points, decent attack rolls, lots of skills, your basic sort of armor and weapon proficiencies. You get to choose one. It's probably going to be long arms. Their ability focus is split between dexterity for their paradox abilities and then intelligence which is their spell casting. So a paradox in these terms is a 20-sided die. When the precog gains a paradox, they roll a d20. And and the most common point in time to gain a paradox is at the start of the day. So right, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna gain paradoxes. You're gonna roll a d twenty for each paradox you gain. And then you set that die result aside and you can use that paradox result instead of rolling a die on one of your checks that day. At first, this ability is limited to a small number of types of rolls that you can be replaced, but at fifth level, you can replace pretty much any roll, and then at higher levels, the precog is able to spend those dice for other effects. There's a lot more going on with the precog class than paradoxes, But I think that the paradoxes are the most important to the feel of the class. It is the most mechanically distinctive thing that they do, and it's the one that thematically most directly plays into that frontline class concept of a precognitive, right? You've seen what is to come, and now you can take advantage of that. But they don't just get the paradoxes, right? So at, at character creation, and as they level up, Like usual with Paizo classes, precogs get multiple sets of different options they can choose from. They're a spellcasting class, so they get to learn new spells from a broad array of options. They get some damage dealing, not a ton of variety. And they get stamina restoration, but not hit point restoration. At character creation, they choose a thematic anchor that gains more abilities at higher levels. At first level, the anchor identifies a type of die roll and it effectively gives you a free use of Paradox for that check every day. Later abilities aren't so standardized, but for example, the The Gap anchor, you get help with will saves. Later on, you can then make it harder to spy on the character, and then eventually lets the character remove themselves from other people's memories. Other anchor options include chronomancy. The dimension of time, the doomed future, the fragmented past, and the time-warped. Precogs also learn temporal anomalies off of a list every few levels, right? There's 20-something to choose from here. For example, at second level, you might choose future training to gain additional proficiencies, right? Thematically, your character is from the future, has gone off to the future, has learned new things, comes back. Or advanced preparation, which lets you spend paradox to create a consumable item, because you totally knew you were going to need that thing. Uh, but again, though, I think the it's the paradox that really mechanically distinguishes the precog. Options for other new classes, like I mentioned, everybody gets new options, a couple pages worth per class. If you look at the written version of this review on the Strange Assembly website, it'll go into a little more detail. I'm not going to here go through every sort of thing that might be interesting in this blizzard of new options that you get. But broadly speaking, one of the things I think that distinguishes the character options that you're getting in Galactic Magic is that they lean very heavily on alternate class features, not just you know new items for whatever the list of options is that your class has. And some of those class features really significantly transform the class. The biohacker, for example, gets a leyline hacker alternate class feature, which just completely replaces the basic boosters and inhibitors that they usually get. And now they have the ability to create grenades that can impede movement at mid-blade cover or right, thematically they're changing the environment by hacking the leyline, but they're grenades. The salarian gets two significant ones like these, They get one alternate feature that lets them break entirely out of the cycling back and forth aspect and just be like, this character is entirely focusing on photon mode or this character is entirely focusing on graviton mode. Or they can cough up hit points and cough up attack bonuses and that sort of thing to become a stellar sage, which gives them more skill points, more stellar revelations, and increased flexibility in using their revelations The Witch Warper has an alternative class feature that kind of divorces them from the multiverse concept, and instead they get this Infinity Lash weapon. Almost everybody gets some kind of interesting stuff. Honestly, probably the Soldier is the one that I found a bit disappointing. Both of their options are, like, it's new fighting styles is their main thing. They have a Spell Brawler and an Archer. Both of those options are about using archaic weaponry, right? The Spell Brawler, conjures up an analog weapon the archer is literally about using bows I, I want the spell brawler to feel more cool but the spell part doesn't start kicking in until fifth level and then it takes multiple resolve points to activate every time so that that was really the one that i was kind of like eh, on in addition to those class specific options any spellcaster can go old school by taking a school specialist archetype, focusing on right your old from back in Dungeons & Dragons wizard schools. Abjuration, Conjuration, Divination, Enchantment, Evocation, Illusion, Necromancy, Transmutation. All of these schools are going to say, hey, you get an extra spell slot, you get extra spell known, used for casting stuff from the school. Each school also has its own special abilities. Good old Evocation, for example extends the range of its spells or the area of effect of the spells as its first school-specific ability. I really like the option to do this. I could get, if if somebody thought, well, that's a little bit out of place in Starfinder, and yeah, Starfinder is not really lean on the school thing. Heck, even D&D doesn't really lean that much on the school specific things of magic since the wizard is now just one of a blizzard of different options but i still really like the option to go with that old school sort of feel speaking of options in addition to the pile of new spells i found it really interesting some of the magical variants that they have one i really liked is scaling zero level spells which amps up cantrip damage at higher levels so the cantrips aren't just obsoleted by having a good gun, right? Now your spell casting focus class can spend more of its time, like, I'm actually casting a spell instead of I'm shooting you with a gun. It's not some enormous power-up. It's just, hey, let's actually have a consistent magical damage source for these spellcasting characters instead of the whole, like, oh, well... I'm primarily a spellcaster so what I need to do is go out and get proficiency and take a really good long arm and that's what I use every round in combat. Another variant I'm less enamored of is is prepared spellcasting which I know, I know, it kind of goes against my interest in the different schools cuz this is the classic wizard thing and wizard should absolutely be all like that. But but I'm kind of Done at this stage in my existence with keeping track of a spellbook, I don't know why it's just there's a reason why games have gone away from preparing specific spells and why games have gone away from having spell books but even though I'm not super interested in it, I think that it's really great that there's the option to do this Vancian spellcaster thing. Again, even, even if I don't want to do it, it's great to have this old-school option around there. Galactic Magic also has rules for ritual magic and introduces enough rituals to make it take up technically more space than the rest of the variants put together in the book. They take a lot of time, but they don't require any innate spellcasting ability, and they require multiple participants. They let the party do things like long-range communications or long-range teleportation, long-range surveillance, or even resurrections. And like I mentioned, yeah, there's there's about 35 pages of new spells, so there's kind of a something for everyone. Two thematic threads that run through these are sonic spells, there's quite a few of those, and then magical mitigation, so things that mess with other people's magic, and that up to and includes just a flat-out, hey, here's a counterspell. But then, the part of Galactic Magic that I was kind of surprised by and excited by was all this information on faiths and deities. So, faith and divinity has been an integral part of fantasy role-playing from the beginning. I like deities, I like faiths in these fantasy games because they are a good, quick, like very thematic way to distinguish a character and to say to say something meaningful about them and what matters to them and what motivates them. But that usually isn't an element of science fiction, right? Fantasy, gods and divinities and all that stuff. Science fiction usually not. But Starfinder, right, is science fantasy. It has many of the same deities that have always been around in Pathfinder. And they're officially part of the world, but They tend to play a much more background role here when they show up. I mean, some of those are important background roles, right? Triune enables drift travel, Abadar sells you all this stuff, that sort of thing. Even mystics, the closest class in theme to a cleric in Starfinder, are often played without any particular religious connection. I mean, obviously, connection is a mechanical feature, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with a a religious or divine connection. And there's no such thing as divine versus arcane magic in Starfinder. So I was happy to see a whole section of galactic magic devoted to deities and faiths and their role in the world. So galactic magic presents some broader thoughts on the role of faith and faith-based organizations and a specific discussion about characters of faith, how faith might motivate a character, how it might shape their backstory, and how it might generate conflict in an ongoing story. It also presents more content on particular deities, right? You get another page of material in each of the the deities that are introduced in the Starfinder core book. You get a half page on each of another set of new-to-Starfinder deities. I mean, many of these are long-standing Pathfinder deities. And then you get shorter write-ups of some ancestral deities, the mythos gods, uh, the eldest, right, and outsider deities. So my poor Calistria is reduced to a quarter page here, but hey, at least she gets a mention. The deities with full page write-ups get illustrations, which is fantastic. The other ones don't, which is a shame. I mean, there's a, a handful of illustrations interspersed throughout there, but I really like when you get that illustration for each of the deities, kind of like you would hope to get an illustration for every entry in a, in a bestiary, but beggars can't be choosers, I guess. In addition to the Longer write up, the core 20 deities also get an optional mechanical effect to replace your theme knowledge with the deity's theme knowledge. These longer write ups also include things like favored weapons, but that only has a mechanical effect if you take a specific feat that makes it has a mechanical effect, and everything else remains background information. The textual elements of these longer write ups focus on worshipers, sacred sites, and resources. There's a lot crammed into this space from how Abadar Corp convenience stores function as shrines, and how the Pharasman stance on the undead causes conflicts with the inclusion of Eox in the Pact Worlds. Shorter write-ups are handed out to Pathfinder mainstays like Asmodeus, caden Kalin, and Lamashtu. Other deities covered include Kavrabond, the god of, among other things, food, Kadrakal, who's from the Shattered Stars adventure path, Angrad. Once the uh, the dwarf and forge god, now forced to be the dwarf god since everybody else went missing with good old Galarian, and Isvith, who's a, a minotaur like mistress of the maze. In addition to the just plain old deities, there are also philosophical or spiritual organizations that are addressed, again, with varying lengths from a quarter page to a full page. The longest discussions go to the cycle, uh, Kasathan philosophy, the parallel truths, uh, again, Again, with the multiverse. Everybody likes the multiverse these days. Singularitism, which is a belief that all life will become technological and interconnected. It's a technological singularity, not a a literal singularity. And then the Song of Silence, who believe that this life is but a trial, one for one's true undeath. Players will also find Pathfinder holdovers like the Green Faith and the Prophecies of Calistrade, as well as the Obsessive Gap Recollective, which I believe some actual players may be members of. In addition to that, I think the most noteworthy remaining content in galactic magic is a rumination on the role of magic in the galaxy. How, if at all, does the practice of magic spread and change? Is magic a universal force like the familiar ones from the standard model of physics, right? You know, electromagnetism, gravity, the nuclear forces. And if it is, what does a grand unified theory look like if you try to incorporate magic? Thematically, what's the significance of how technology can accomplish things that seem impossible with magic, like entering the drift? Who needs a wand when you have a blaster rifle? Why do people bother learning magic anyway? In a galaxy where magic can be heavily regulated or even forbidden in some locations, what organizations are out there to support magic users? And because no one can just get along... Galactic Magic talks about what magical factions are out there to both simultaneously advance the cause of magic users and squabble with each other. Finally, you can't have a Starfinder book without any new gear, and Galactic Magic does not buck that trend. Unsurprisingly, it's all magic, 18 pages of hybrid items, magic items, fusions, artifacts, a couple that I liked were the the Diadem of Desna, you know, because she's probably my favorite Pathfinder slash Starfinder deity, which bursts forth a wave of starlight and butterfly wings when you're subject to an attack of opportunity, which gives you concealment. I was also amused by the hood ornament of hovering, which turns your normal car into a hover car. So overall, there's a lot to like about Galactic Magic. The new base class is going to get the spotlight, and I think players will enjoy getting to figure out the right moment to use the Precog's Paradox dice. The new character options are highly impactful as well, tending to focus on alternate class features that significantly change how some classes play, in addition to the usual new options that are cool but not game-changing. Of course, in a book called Galactic Magic, there's a pile of new spells, there's the usual option of new gear, but my personal favorite part is that we got a more extended discussion of deities and faiths in Starfinder. Uh, Not only is that an element of characters I like playing around with in fantasy RPGs, but I'm quite fond of the Pathfinder deities, so I get a kick out of just seeing these evolved versions of them show up. I would, hint hint Paizo, buy literally an entire book about just faith and deities in Starfinder. I'm just saying. But, for now, we have Galactic Magic. It's very good. If you like Starfinder, probably going to check it out. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there, the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play Music Store, whatever podcatching service it is that you use. We should be there. If we are not present on your favorite podcatching service, please let me know, and I will fix the situation. You can reach me at chris@strangeassembly.com. At you can also find us at the usual social media. We're at StrangeAssembly on Twitter, Facebook.com slash StrangeAssembly, at StrangeAssembly on Instagram. It's pretty easy to remember, I like to think. Always glad to hear from you. Thoughts, feedback, constructive criticism, that sort of thing. But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson. This is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.